We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the 13th pick in the 2021 NBA Draft. With the 11th pick in the 2015 NBA Draft. With the 10th pick in the 2010 NBA Draft. With the 6th pick in the 2022 NBA Draft. The Indiana Pacers select Chris Duarte from Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic and the University of Oregon. Miles Turner from the University of Texas. Paul George of Fresno State University. Benedict Matherin from Montreal, the NBA Academy Latin America, and the University of Arizona. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, but this is not just any episode, Fachi. It is the Setting the Pace Draft Guide episode. How are you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing great, but the draft it needs to get here a little bit sooner because we're starting to hear rumblings, rumors, smoke screens, whatever it is. We're hearing a lot of it, but we're not seeing actual action take place in regards to trades. That could be any day now, so for right now... Our, our minds, our imagination, they're just running wild. No, they really are. And there's been a lot of stuff out there with the Pacers involved. And we'll get to all of that as we do this draft guide. But we're going to start things off here just looking at the draft as a whole, Fachi. And I was curious if you had a list of players that you think have all-star potential. And I was curious, does any of these guys have superstar potential? Uh, how many guys do you have listed down here for all-star potential? For like... Real all-star potential. I think I got five. Okay. And then I have a next list that's like fringe all-stars. Okay. But in terms of the all-star potential, I got Victor Wembanyama, of course. Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and then I got the Thompson Twins. I think their upside is is huge. And then in that next category, I got the fringe all-stars. And that's Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, maybe Jarris Walker. 
Okay. Okay. What about you? So you know me, because last year when I was listening back to this, when we talked about potential, mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that we were like, okay, you got to remember this is potential. Like, and I and I tried to do it a little bit different here because I always think about guys like a Walker Kessler. Like, this is a guy that could potentially be an all-star now, but at the time last year, people were sleeping on him. So I tried to do a few little sleepers. Okay. I also tried to do some people that I thought made sense. So for me, my top six were my, I think they're going to be all-stars potentially. Obviously, Victor Wiminyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. I said Cam Whitmore. I think he's got all-star potential. I think you said fringe, which kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I think that if he gets to the right team, he could explode. And I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Another one that we've heard a lot of smoke about recently in terms of teams wanting to trade up for him, Anthony Black. I see it, Fachi. I do think that there is, if he's anything like Josh Giddy, uh, you know, I think that's where the comparison's been. And then I said Asar Thompson. I didn't put him in Thompson. I'm still worried about him, man. I still have questions. But I think Asar for sure is right there. And then on that next list for me, these are guys that I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a swing on. I could I could see them if they reach their peak in four to five years and really become something special. Balak Koulibaly, Gigi Jackson, Kaysen Wallace. And this is the one that probably surprised me the most when I wrote it down. Olivier Maxence Prosper. This is the guy that I think is going to be the sleeper pick for me in terms of like Pascal Siakam, who is that, right? That's the kind of guy I could see Olivier Maxence Prosper being. Someone like that, that people are like, oh yeah, he's you know a very intriguing prospect, but not to this level, but I think he could reach it if everything plays out right for him. His stock is definitely booming right now. One of the 25 to 30 guys that got a green room invite now. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he went from what felt like a couple weeks ago being like a second round pick to now all of a sudden, hey, look, maybe they view him in that top 25 now. So you definitely did talk about some guys that are probably a little bit more of a sleepers that could, you know, rise to all-star potential. And just like you mentioned, a guy like Siakam, there are always those type, not always, but they very well can be found of an all-star in the 20s or look at a guy like Giannis or Kawhi that would pick 15. So I guess I probably more looked at those top eight or so. But when I looked at like a Cam Cam Whitmore, Taylor Hendricks, Jarris Walker, I was a little bit, eh. but then you hear things like for a men Thompson. I mean, I, look, obviously it was the Rockets. They were saying this could be one of the, the greatest athletes we've ever seen. And they, yeah, they could be. Out these, they could be. But they toss out these crazy things for the Thompson twins that we got to remember, you know, overtime elite, that competition is very different than than some other competitions. So that remains to be seen. Either the Thompson twins are going to be, you know, phenomenal or maybe they're more of like, you know, really good role players, if anything, very athletic players. Mm. So that remains to be seen. But I definitely do like some of your sleepers. A guy like Gigi, no one can put the ceiling on him because he's all over the place either he's going to be really really good or maybe he never reaches his potential by a wide mile but we got to roll the dice and find out first yeah i went on a rant today on twitter about gg jackson because there was an uh, article on the athletic just asking different coaches and different executives about players and it was all anonymous obviously that makes the most sense but when they're talking about gg jackson it was just like Oh, yeah, like this guy, if he would have went back to school, he could be a lottery pick next year and this, that, and that. And I'm thinking to myself, why do we overthink this crap so much? If you think this guy is going to be a lottery pick next year, why would you not take him this year? It's not like he's going to get any better 
going back to college than he would be getting put into the G League or an NBA system where he can grow and develop. I think the biggest problem is first-round picks are so valuable Mm-hmm. that owners put the pressure on their front office to hit on all their picks and they want them to hit right away. I think Gigi Jackson is a great case of a guy that, yeah, he might not be that productive in the first couple of years of his career, but by year three to year four, this guy could, you know, burst out of the seams and become an all-star level player. So to me, it's like, that is a guy that I'm willing to take a risk on, especially knowing the Pacers have three first round picks. This is when you kind of take those swings and you don't play it safe. So that to me is why, like, yeah, you want a guy to come in and help right away. And I'm sure Gigi Jackson probably thinks he can come in and help right away. But if you're worried about his immaturity and stuff like that, totally understand. But please tell me what 18-year-old coming into the draft is not immature. All these 18-year-olds are going uh, to have a lot of room to grow and when it comes to maturing as a person and as a player. So I just get kind of frustrated when I see all this stuff, like knocking them down to like 37 in, in the second round for ESPN's latest mock draft. It's like, why does he keep falling? Like, really? Like, I, I get it if you're like a team trying to win now, but for all these teams in the league that have multiple picks, what are you doing? This is a guy you take a risk with on that extra pick that you have. Yeah, I mean, between Gigi Jackson, Dreek Whitehead, Nick Smith Jr., those were some of the top recruits in the nation that are all projected to, you know, kind of be in the 20 to 30s. And I think for that, it's like someone's got to roll the dice there and not have to be so, we got to win now. And if you do that, you're going to get a really good player. But when you look at these draft classes, I mean, how many of these guys really are able to contribute right away to winning? And they want, that's, I mean, a guy like Dyson Daniels, who barely contributed anything last year, I'm not ready to just write him off as, oh, he's a bust. It's like these guys are so young that for the majority of them, they're all coming out after their freshman year. There's really not that many upperclassmen anymore in the first round that you got to give these guys at least, I feel like, three seasons in order to get a good look at them, not a 17-year-old who reclassified and now we're writing him off as he's not even first-round pick-worthy. Hey, someone's going to get lucky or someone might find out the hard way, but I think it's always worth a roll of dice. Yeah, it's not like a Harry Giles situation either. Like no. these, That was a guy that I was really excited to see what he could become, but he just had too many injuries. He did. That's not Gigi Jackson's no. you know, resume. It's just immature kid that went on Instagram because he didn't like how his coach was handling things. It's like, okay, uh, this is 2023. Like This is going to happen again. I doubt it's the last time we hear something like this where somebody goes on social media and voices their frustrations with their coach or whatnot. So anyway, I digress. we got to keep this thing moving. So let's move on to our next topic, Flash. Oh, real quick, I forgot to ask you. Uh, anybody has superstar talent out of that group? Victor Wembanyama, And look, you got you got to say Scoot Henderson very well could. Brandon Miller could potentially. I think yeah. if Scoot really reaches his ceiling, then yes, you're talking about uh, – you know, could be one of the best guards in the NBA. Wembenyama obviously screams at the top of his lungs, potential superstar. Yeah, throwing out the first pitch for the Yankees tonight. Pretty cool stuff. This guy is getting all the love and all the fame right away. I definitely think he's one. And like you said, Scoot, only two I feel comfortable writing down as potential superstars uh, in the league. But let's move on. What type of trade would you be willing to make to move up in the draft? Um, I put two trade ideas down, so share with me whatever you got. It's fine. It's like Technically, I got three, but look, I, I'm going to be honest over here. I'm not in favor of, like, giving up the whole entire farm, you know, for just to move up. Because yeah. 
it's always the sexy idea to do that. So I want to start with a small one. Okay. All right. The Pacers are making a deal with the Magic. They're moving up just one pick. In this deal, the Magic are sending pick six, Jonathan Isaac or Gary Harris. Isaac is owed $35 million, but it's not all guaranteed. And Gary Harris is owed $13 million for, to the Pacers for pick seven, 26, Jalen Smith and Chris Duarte. So let me okay. repeat that. Pacers uh, send seven, 26, Jalen Smith and Duarte. They move up. They get pick six, either Jonathan Isaac or Gary Harris. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't hate it. I'm just curious, moving up one spot, is there a certain player you're targeting at that position? If if maybe the Pacers are really high on, like an Asar Thompson, I okay. think that's kind of where it's like he could go sixth. If not, you know, probably doesn't make it past seven to the Pacers. So it's uh, you're not giving up a ton because you're only moving up one pick, but it's enough for the Magic to, you know, not be like, oh, hey, what are we going to do here? Because they still have pick 11. So, and they're also getting some young players. Maybe Jalen Smith can be more productive there. Chris Duarte gets a, a second chance. And for the Pacers, hey, maybe you take a swing on Jonathan Isaac. If it doesn't work out, you can cut him that final year. Not guaranteed at all. And then yeah. Gary Harris, $13 million off their books. Whatever, you get another shooter. Yeah, the big thing is for me, I, the only reason I don't like this a little bit, for me personally, is just because I don't want to take up what the cap space the Pacers have is for this deal to go through. That's so, the incentive for the Magic to slide back right. to get something off the books. Yeah, I just feel like for one slot ahead, I don't think it's worth the extra cap space like that, even though Gary Harris is not making that much more than what yeah, the combined weird. salaries I, of uh, Jalen and, and Duarte are. But exactly. uh, I know they want shooting, so Duarte could be a prime candidate for them. Uh, Buddy Hill could also be a candidate for them if they're looking for some shooting, and that's where maybe you could swap Buddy in that situation for Jonathan Isaac, uh, in that in that I, case, I thought that might have been a little bit too much to include Buddy just to move up one pick. So you um, think Buddy on an expiring is more valuable than Chris Duarte on a rookie deal? Well, well, I mean, look, the Magic needs shooting; they definitely do. And Buddy, I think, would be he can help a team win right now. But to mm -hmm. move up one pick, I thought the Pacers could use Buddy in another deal to okay. to make a little bit more happen. Okay, I'll tell you my first one, and I yeah. I didn't move up with Orlando. I didn't I didn't uh, think that it would make a ton of sense to only yeah. move up one spot, but I get what you're saying. Uh, for me, I did Chris Duarte and number seven and twenty nine to Detroit for number five. So Detroit's getting a shooter. They're only moving back two spots, and they get another late first if they want to do something with it. Uh, and all we're doing is getting Detroit's pick at five. Now moving up two spots, I think is a little bit more challenging than just one. But, yeah. you know, uh, the Pacers have those extra picks in the first round, and I think the the Pistons have the salary to be able to take on a contract like Duarte, but they could also believe in him. So I think with their young core, they just – I think they need shooting on their roster based on all the guys they have and just having him out there, if he could really play. I mean, he could be a nice piece off the bench for him as well. If the guy they won is, let's say, Jarris Walker, and he's there at seven, they could trade back and still get their guy. Yeah, I just – I don't think it's enough because I, I go back to thinking about the Sacramento Kings last year and what they were asking for for the Pacers to move from six to four. It felt like they wanted two additional first-round picks, you yeah. know, whoever it might have been. So uh, while I would look to do that, I had a deal with the Pistons that unfortunately evolved a bit more. I think it's too well, much. Let me ask you this before you tell me your deal. Um, on the trade that I sent and just your, your comparison or kind of your rebuttal back. Sure. Do we think that there's a Jaden Ivey level player 
at pick five this year in this year's draft? Because I personally don't think that there is. I think Jaden Ivey, as a draft prospect, was much more, even Keegan Murray, was much more polarizing than the guys right now in that five to nine range. Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely a good point because I think that everybody would rather have Jaden Ivey than like an Asar Thompson, a Cam Whitmore, Jarris Walker, or Taylor Hendricks. So I think that's a good point. I think just typically, uh, you know, in the NBA, it, it would require a little bit more. You said seven, Duarte, and what was it, 29? 29. I mean, you can make it 26. It doesn't matter to me, obviously. Yeah. It's a late first. I'm just saying you give up a lottery pick from two years ago plus seven to move up two spots for a guy that they'll pro- that you probably get if you maybe say it's seven, but you want to make sure you get him. And Detroit maybe feels like they have a couple guys they like, whether it's Walker or Whitmore, that could fall to them at Seven, I mean, that's the only reason I was thinking like that because those guys in that range feel so interchangeable. Uh, you can make the case for them going to any of those teams. Yeah, I mean, look, if we can get that deal done, I'm in. I'm in because, look, Dorte, we're already moving. We're ready to move on. Yeah. 26, 29, whatever, whichever one you want, you know. But in my deal, it was a little bit more in this situation. It was the Pacers. Uh, we're offering pick 7, 26, 29, and Dorte. For pick five, we take on Marvin Bagley. What's your thoughts on that? If we got to swap 32 for 29, so be it. Okay, so you had 26. So you basically just had an extra pick in there. Yes, an extra extra first. We're taking on Marvin Bagley. It's not really that much money owed to him. I want to say it's like two years, 12 and a half million. So about six million a year. I don't think it's much different than the trade I sent. I think that it's just a little bit more complex. I just felt uh, we needed a little bit more to offer. If we can get your deal done, psh, let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. So for Bagley's deal, Bagley's deal was more. It was actually $12.5 million per year, which was kind of the incentive to get them off the books. They already have some other bigs over there. Um. So taking yeah. back some money, giving a little bit more. Depends on how they feel about Bagley, too. I mean, because I feel like they like him. But obviously, I thought they did. But they got James Wiseman, too, last year. They got Jalen Duran yep, last exactly. year. So they've got their hands full at the front court. It's pretty loaded already. Uh, so I could see why that makes some sense. I mean, that could be a nice counter offer from the one I sent if they're trying so. to get off of that and get an extra pick. I don't know. To me, it's like I just come back because this is hard. <laughs> this conversation is hard because, is. once again, moving up two spots to me is not worth it in this draft. If it was last year's draft, yes, I would offer more. Like I was offering Brogdon in six last year for four. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. I don't, while the Pistons are a team that could trade back, there's a reason why. And I think the Pacers probably know that. And that's why the Pacers have also been a team that's looked to trade out uh, and has been heavily involved in rumors about trading out. So that to me is my only hesitancy is like, do we give up all of our assets in this draft just to move up two spots? Probably not. No, this just isn't the draft that I'm like, we have to move up. We have to do it. It's like, no, yeah. so, we, we talked about it. There's that first tier. There's a second tier. Then there's just like everybody else. <laughs> so I just feel like the Pacers are, are far better off trying to acquire another pick in like the teens than they are trading a lot just to move up to take a guy who's probably in the same tier. Okay, I'll share my my last trade idea here for you. Yeah. And I didn't even think this would be enough, but I, it's hard to come up with these trade ideas that made sense with just one team trade. So I said Buddy Heald. Pick seven and a 2025 top three protected first round pick for number four and Kenyon Martin Jr. 
Okay, seven, Buddy, and a 2025 top three Three pick. protected. Yeah. For yeah, number for four, four and Kenyon Martin Jr. to the Rockets. He's got a team option for like 1.9. It might become guaranteed if he gets traded. I'm not sure how that works, but you're definitely saving some money uh, by getting off Buddy and not taking back a lot of stuff. However, the Rockets have been rumored to wanting to win yeah. more. I think Buddy Hill could be a nice offensive piece, especially if they get James Harden off the bench uh, and they move back. The big thing is, like, why would they want to move back unless there's somebody they like? Maybe they don't like him in Thompson as much as people are saying. So that's the only reason why I think they could do it. But getting the extra first in 2025 could be enticing for them to have future assets because they traded a lot of them. Uh, away, I think. I won't know. Did they get some back? They got some of Brooklyn's, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So they own Brooklyn's picks moving yeah. forward. All of Brooklyn's act. That's why Brooklyn can't rebuild yeah, right yeah. now. So uh, I think if they are re- really serious about winning, sure. But then the thing is, like, Buddy could just walk a year later. It okay. sounds like they really are in love with uh, Men Thompson. We'll see. Right. Um. But if you're if they're the Pacers and you're sliding up to four, who are you taking? Probably a SAR. I mean, for me, okay. and that's why I was like, uh, this is like the exercise was us for us to trade up. I know, like, I know. Be targeting yeah. somebody. Like if they really like Jairus Walker and they're afraid the Pistons are going to get him at five and that's the guy they want and they trade up to four to get him, like, okay, like, you know, if you, you believe in your guy, go get him. Uh, if there's a crazy scenario where somehow Brandon Miller falls to four, like, okay, like, duh, you definitely yeah. be calling to get that. That I'm more I'm more like intrigued about. So I think yeah. if the Pacers are offering it, I don't think anyone would say that's an overpay by any means because you expect by 2025, hey, top three pick. Okay, you know what? It's protected. I think at this point, I think the Pacers probably are. You hope they're definitely a playoff team. Yeah. You could live with that. But for Houston, mm, I don't know. They might just want that best player available at pick four. But I I agree. I I don't like the trade for Houston. Yeah. <laughs> this is one that yeah, I'm just like throwing darts at a board. And uh, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll throw this offer out, but I, I doubt it gets accepted. That's how I felt when I made this. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Uh, trade-ups are really hard for the Pacers because I don't think they have the talent to really move up to get who they want. And I yeah. don't think the teams that have the picks that they want want all the Pacers' future picks. Like, you could talk me into, like, trading up to, like, two or three and, like, trading, like, four future picks for Brandon Miller. Like, you could talk me into that if you really believe in Brandon Miller. But – I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna keep it simple because I don't think the Pacers are one of those teams that's gonna offer like four first and three swaps no. to move up that much. They're not doing that. So that, that to me is why I'm like, okay, this is, this is the best offer I can come up with right now. And also the talent that we have, we don't want to move. Like, I'm sorry, but Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mather, they're not available to anyone right now. Yeah. Like uh, Andrew Nemhard, it feels like the Pacers very much covet Nemhard, and right now, I mean. The, the Turner rumors are at an all-time low, I'd say. So it just feels like the Pacers don't want to move that core for a deal that really isn't a home run, and there's just not a home run deal out there right now. Yeah. Do you have any more uh, trade-up ideas? No, I, I just, you know, I really just didn't want to go down that rabbit hole of like, well, for pick three and, like, give up the farm because it, it's just I, I, don't, I don't think that that's the move that we should do. All right, I've got four trades for moving back. <laughs> okay. I got so two. how many do you have? I got uh, I got two. Okay, let me go two first ones. then. Let me go first. So this one's a little bit complex as well. It's not super complex. It's, I shouldn't say that. Um, I said number seven, Isaiah Jackson, and a 2027 Utah second to New Orleans 
for number 14 and Trey Murphy the third. Okay, so you said Isaiah Jackson. I pick heard there's seven. a jazz pick. Okay. Pick so seven and seven. a 2027 20, second from Utah. Okay. For pick 14. So we're at the end of the lottery. And Trey Murphy. And Trey Murphy the third, who Sam Vecini has said multiple times is going to be a nine-figure player at some point. Really? Hmm, yeah. Man, this this is where I'm at, where it's like, hmm. So we're sliding down from seven to 14. Trey Murphy, I mean. Six-nine wing, baby. It's a crowded room in New Orleans. Could they get off of him before they got to pay him big-time money? I liked him in the draft. I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up stats right now. Obviously, you know, hey, good player, real good shooter. If the Pacers are to slide back from seven to fourteen, do you think they could still get a player that can push this team forward as much, you know, without pick seven? I think Shay Murphy is very close to the talent at seven right now, and probably, in my opinion, could could reach higher ceilings than that. Uh, I thought about putting him on my list when we were doing who we would trade seven straight up for, but I figured if we did OG and Anobi and 13 for seven, we've talked about that a lot, then Trey Murphy and 14 could make a lot of sense to me. You have to throw Isaiah Jackson in because I think that he's a player that could help them moving forward because Jackson Hayes is not really paying out. They could get that backup no. center there behind no. Jonas Valanciunas, give them a second, to Utah, that's in 2027. Like, that's so far down the line. And at 14, you're still getting a lottery pick. And there could be somebody really talented there. And I think Trey Murphy is a starter in this league. I think that he could be the starting three for the Pacers. I think New Orleans does this. I'm just personally not as high on Trey Murphy. Maybe I got to watch more Trey Murphy. Um, but I'm I will, not in love with it. I will tell you this. I think that there's more of a likelihood that New Orleans declines this trade than Indiana does. I think if Indiana got this deal, they'd probably be pretty excited about it, in my opinion. Based on everything I've been hearing about basketball minds, talk about Trey Murphy and his potential and his future. I just remember that interaction from the All-Star Weekend when Trey Murphy asked Tyrese Halliburton a question on who was going to win the slam dunk contest. Um, mm -hmm. That friendship could have already been developing. That That's what excites me, too, as well. Young player, uh, very, very... Good talent, I think. Maybe maybe you're underselling because you're just not – and I feel the same way about a lot of these teams. I don't watch a lot of Pelicans basketball. Okay? That's, that's, I'm going to be honest. Look, I know Trey Murphy has always been a real good shooter, but how is his defense? Is it enough to just say we're actually adding a two-way player-ish or are we just adding another offensive player here? Go watch some YouTube highlights of him from this season. I think you'll probably change your mind. But uh, you can okay. go to your next one. All right. So my trade, it's one that you know we discussed with Tony. It's It's a pretty simple one. It's the Pacers at picks, you know, seven and 26 to the Jazz for nine and 16. If the Jazz are in love with someone, and if the Pacers need to sprinkle in another pick, say it's, you know, 29 as well, like seven, 26, and 29 for nine and 16, I'm absolutely on board. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to put that one down. So I tried to refrain from picking that one. So that makes a lot of sense to me. We've already seen some rumblings today. Mm -hmm. Uh, from Jake Fisher that the Jazz could be looking to move up. Now Danny Ainge is there, and we know he's the devil to deal with. So oh, yeah. they really like Anthony Black, according to what Jake Fisher said. They could move up to five. They talked to Indiana about number seven. Uh, I think it's very interesting for the Pacers to do that, get nine and 16. That's pretty nice, Fachi. So I, like I would it. I would be very excited about that, especially if you feel like your guy at seven that you want falls to nine. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's where it's interesting to me. So I would I would definitely do that one. Now, I got another one for you that I think is pretty interesting. Number seven to OKC for number 12 
and a 2024 future first round or first round pick from Utah. So you're getting a first in next year's draft, moving back five spots, but getting another first in next year's draft. Very good chance Utah does not make uh make the playoffs. I'm not sure yeah. what the protections on this pick are. I'll have to look that up real quick. That we'll have to find out. But I think getting an extra first in next year's draft just to push your assets further down the road could be really nice. And that is something that I've thought about is the Pacers have a lot of assets for this year in the draft. I mean, five picks in this draft, four in the top 32, but moving forward, it's not like that. Um, I would like to see if that Utah Jazz pick is unprotected. Then it's very interesting. If it happens to be top 10 protected, then I, I, I'm not interested because at that point, the Pacers are giving up the better pick. And that Jazz pick at that point, like, you know, you run the risk of it maybe being, I don't know, 13, 14, yes. some, something like that. It looks like it is top 10 protected. Oof, I'm out. Um, Because <laughs> at that point, I just, I just think that what if the Jazz bottom out and we don't get that pick and then it gets kind of kicked down the road a little bit and then ends up being like a, a pick in the teens. So... Um, but it's still a future asset, even if it goes it down the road. Like, let's say they don't do that in 2024, right? Like, the Jazz aren't like, a, they're like picking nine again or whatever it is. So they get that pick back. But like the year after, like, think about uh, the Chicago Bulls, right? One of, no, none of their, both their picks conveyed to the, uh, or the Magic picks. The yeah. Magic got I mean, both the Bulls picks, right? They did. They did. It ended up being, uh, you know, 11th this year, which is obviously, you know, a win. And then uh, a few years ago, they ended up getting uh, a good Locker. pick. Franz Wagner at pick eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. Yeah, because so, they got Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner. So, like, they both ended up panning out because they were only, like, top four protected, I think, or something yep, like that. Yep, mm-hmm. So that's – That works that's, out. Yeah, that's to me, like, it's just interesting. Like, we know Utah could be better next year, but how much better? Exactly. That's why I was like, okay, top ten protected still, though. Like, it's another asset. You move it down the road. I just – I like future assets because picks lose their value once they're selected. So you have, like, hey, we got this pick. We got that pick. We could trade for another player. Like – just like just to think about it this way, what if you could throw that extra pick to Toronto to get OG? Does that make it more enticing for you? Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah, it could it could be interesting. I mean it would help to have some assets down the line. I just don't like the idea that's top ten protected. I would have felt better if it was like top five, <laughs> top eight, yeah. I guess. But um, not not a bad deal at all because the Pacers like we talked talked about they don't really have that many assets moving forward and the young players that they have are all getting you know one year older in their contracts which then becomes a hey you got to pay this guy if you're really serious about it yeah so, you got one my, my my deal i got an og trick I figured. I figured you might as well throw one in there so in this deal the pacers are sending andrew nemhard oh my god oh yeah we had to start out with a little bit of a bang <laughs> but listen andrew ah! nemhard Isaiah Jackson, Daniel Tice, pick seven, 26, and next year lottery protected first. All right. For OG, pick 13, and they get Chris Boucher. I think that's too much for OG. Okay. So the reason why I I thought of it is like you get off Tice, all right, who wasn't going to bring anything. Boucher, better player that you could play right now. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, you know, it was it's remains to be seen. Um, are you Getting, out on Isaiah Jackson? I, I'm not out, but am I all in? Is anyone all in anymore? I'm not. <laughs> I was kind of confused by the pick in the first place, trying to talk myself into it. I've never been in love with Isaiah Jackson. I've I, liked I like it. the idea of him, but what is he? 
idea is a lot better than what he's been so far. That's for dang it, sure. Exactly. So it's like in this situation, why the Pacers are including more is because they're getting pick 13, which would, it's still a, a pretty good pick in this draft. It is a lot, but I think part of it is the fact that the Pacers, you know, it's a lottery protected pick for next year. They'd be giving up makes it seem yeah. like a, Hey, you know what? If things go bad, at least the Pacers keep that pick, or if not, we've got to hand over, say, pick 15, 16, eh, whatever. But it is still a lot, and you could just wait a year, sign OG, but, you know, that's that's the, the, yeah. that's the main reason why I don't like it. You're giving up on Nimhard way too early into his I career agree. form. Uh, I know that we did a trade on the mock draft where uh, Andrew Nimhard was shipped to Toronto in the trade to get Brandon Miller. Uh hmm. So that was kind of one of those three team deals. I know I know that that was uh, not loved by all Pacer fans. Some Pacer fans really liked it. It was like Miles and Siakam and Chris Duarte went to Portland. Uh, Simons, Nimhard, and a handful of picks went to Toronto. Some from Portland, some from the Pacers, and the Pacers got picks three and thirteen with Yusuf Nurkic in the trade. So they got Brandon Miller. They got pick thirteen. Uh, this to me, though, right here, what you're saying. You basically just gave my biggest defense for like why I don't like it is because if OG just opts out, he can be a free agent next year, and you're already giving up all this stuff right now. Like I get it, you bring him in, it makes it a lot easier to keep him than yeah. it is to pursue him in free agency. But if he really likes it here, that's the thing. Or if Toronto just holds on to him, he could be just fed up with why they didn't trade him, and he could just opt out and leave anyway. So. I, I like the idea of getting OG, but I don't like the idea of giving up Nimhard plus a future lottery protected pick and seven to do it. So I think that it's probably what what was that? Say the the lottery protected pick is not in there, but Nimhard is. Does that change your thoughts? I'd rather take Nimhard out and keep the pick. Of course, in. of course. But That's, I, I but I'm saying in a, a rebuild that I think they would want him. I don't know. I think they want picks too. Like that's just the thing. I don't and, know. I maybe take thirteen um, out. Maybe take uh, 13 out, take Nimhard out. Well, that, that's the thing. If Let we're not getting 13, 13, they're not getting Nimhard. That's why that was part of it. It was like we're yeah. still getting a lottery pick in there, so it allows us to still keep building. But, I hey, look, not a home run deal by any means because if we want to just play devil's advocate, yeah, wait a year, keep all your assets, you're going to be in an even better position. Yeah, because my OG thought was like, okay, what if we did 726 and Buddy to Toronto for OG and 13? They get seven, they move up six spots. They get uh, 26, a later first-round pick that could be somewhat valuable. Uh, if somebody slides, like if a Gigi Jackson's there and they're going to rebuild mode, like the only reason they do this is they go into a rebuild mode. Uh, and Buddy Hill's an expiring contract, so I don't have to worry about that money for the future, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm just not going to give up all my assets for OG and Anobi at this point. I just don't think it makes the most sense. Um, but you know, we've heard a lot about like OG and 13 for seven plus something. That's why I was like, okay, I'll throw in 26 and buddy because the salaries match and they get, you know, they move up six spots in the draft. They're losing OG, but like, I think we're overvaluing who OG is too. Like this guy is not I an all-star. Th I think we are. No, he's a good no, player, he but he's not an all-star. He's a role yeah. player. Like, uh, he's going to be a nice player on the Pacers. He's probably gonna be like third or fourth best, but like he's a starter, but he's not an all-star. Like we got to. No. We gotta like put the line on like how much are we giving up for a starter in the league? I agree. Like, the, the the big big thing is that we have to factor in is he's a really good two way player, all defensive second team. Like and on a team that really wasn't playing much defense, OG is going to give you more than just defense. But mm -hmm. yes, he is. He's not an all star by any means. 
probably calling him a fringe all-star is probably still even on the fringe of <laughs> being a fringe all-star. But if there was a situation to get OG and pick 13, I am very intrigued. But I, I think they might clutch pick 13 a little bit closer to them knowing that they already owe a first-round pick for the following year. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, that that would be nice if you could maybe make it a three-team trade. I'm sure there's a way they could potentially do that, but uh, you never know. So my last one here, and it's because we've been hearing some rumors about this player. I said number seven, number 29, Chris Duarte and Jalen Smith for pick 15 and DeAndre Hunter. Oh, sign me up. I mean, uh, no doubt. Look, to get DeAndre Hunter, I think would be a, an instant boost. And I feel like is OG-esque. Like, you know, I don't think there's this, this you know, wide gap between them. And he's also on a four-year deal. He yeah. just signed a four-year $90 million deal. So you're not worrying about opting out. You're giving up the seventh pick, which obviously is going to, you know, it's still it's a really good pick given up. But to get 15 in this draft, you could still get a very good player. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's really intriguing. Jalen Smith, Duarte, 29. I could live without it. Um, <laughs> I do this deal. If Atlanta is in, uh, I'm ready to shake. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like this makes some sense, maybe because I don't know what Atlanta's future is with DeAndre Hunter. Because it seems like he's been in rumors recently, and then you also throw in like John Collins. Like I'm not taking John Collins for seven. Like that's just not going to happen for me. I no chance. Don't love it, but we've we've seen his name rumored. I thought, okay, you give up a lottery pick from two years ago, a lottery pick from three years ago, plus seven, plus twenty nine, just to give them some extra assets for this season or this pick or this draft. I mean, you take on fifteen. It could make some sense. Maybe I'm undervaluing DeAndre Hunter's value here a little bit in this trade, but. I just feel like if you're moving up to seven, you're going to have to give up something big. And I know that we might not like the players as much in terms of like all-star potential for that range, but still, what if Asar Thompson does fall to seven or Cam Whitmore? Uh, could the Hawks possible. talk themselves into one of those guys being better long-term than DeAndre Hunter? Yeah, I, I think they could. And look, like let's let's also take a look at the books for Atlanta. You got Hunter signed, but also, you know, Trey Young, big-time contract. You got... Jante Murray, you got uh, John Collins. I mean, there are guys Clint that are paid. Clint Capella. There's guys making some big bucks on that team. So this would give them an opportunity for a bit of a, you know, you're not going to call it a reset, but cleaning up the books a little bit. And then they probably still even look to, you know, trade John Collins or Clint Capella eventually. Mm-hmm. All right. Next category for our trades. And this should be our, this should be our, no, we got two more things we got to talk about trade-wise. So, uh, how can the Pacers add an additional lottery pick? Did you have any ideas? Oh, of course, yes. So right. in this situation, we're, we're making a deal with the Magic. And in this deal, the Magic are sending pick 11 and Gary Harris okay. to the Pacers for Buddy Heald, pick 26, 29, and a top eight protected 2024 first-round pick. What are your thoughts? What, what on was that? the last part? A top what? Top eight 2024 first-round pick. Ooh. Don't repeat the trade again. Let me hear it all the way through because there's a lot. Pick 11 and Gary okay. Harris. Gary okay. Harris has one year, $13 million remaining. And the Pacers are giving them Buddy Heald, 26, 29, and a top eight protected 2024 first round pick. Okay. I figure it's got to be in that range where technically the Magic could maybe get lucky if the pick ends up being like 9, 10, or even 11. But if we protect it too much, it's not that appealing. Yeah, so I, I basically had the same trade idea Ooh, without the pick. Okay. 
without the the 2024 pick yeah i i said that heel 26 and 29 to orlando for harrison 11 um i was a little bit torn on it i also thought about duarte and tice and two future seconds to orlando for harrison 11 um it's it's a tough one to me because it's like is 11 really that valuable in this year's draft because you're talking about a drop off to me after pick nine where guys like 10 to 25 could be very interchangeable in my opinion, based on who you talk to. So I just don't want to give up future stuff for 11 in this draft to me personally. I, I'm I'm probably underselling it with the last one I said, but definitely underselling. There's no way the magic do like Tice Duarte and like two second round picks for, for 11. I'm just kicking the can down the road for them because they have so many guys on their roster already. They That's do. the big thing. Uh, and it was like a 25 for Miami and a 27 from Utah, one that I mentioned earlier uh, with the Pelicans trade. Uh, I just, Maybe I'm just thinking they could, they could talk themselves into Duarte because he's a lottery pick from two years ago. So it's in like that same range. He's a shooter, uh, still under team control, can get a nice backup big with Daniel Tice because I think they want to win now more than people realize. I think they've got their roster kind of solidified and they have picked six. Like, they just need shooting. So, yeah, I definitely think the buddy trade made more sense to me. I was just trying to come up with different packages because I'm, like, trying to, like, not overthink it because yeah. I feel like I always undervalue the Pacers' assets, and now I feel like I'm overvaluing <laughs> Um, But, yeah, it's it's tough because I feel like at 11, like, yeah, I mean, if I'm the Pacers, I'm really wanting, like, somebody good at 11, and I think Grady Dick actually makes a ton of sense for the Pacers, but yeah. not at pick seven. So No, no. So that's why I'm just like, if they get back and get Grady Dick, it could make sense. We have to give up a shooter. Buddy Hill to me is a much more, uh, much more gifted shooter uh, yeah. than Chris Duarte and could fit their team a little bit better. But yeah, uh, just scratch that second trade I said. I feel really dumb that I even said it out loud. <laughs> I, it was it was pretty crazy <laughs> to hear it in real life. I was like, whoa, man, uh, that's never happening. But yeah. we all put out one of those trades time to time. I yeah. think my fair share. So it happens. But do you want to hear my second? Yes, I do. All right. So this is a deal involving the Mavs because we have heard that pick 10 can be had. Okay. In this situation, it's the Mavs sending pick 10 and Davis Bertans, who they desperately want to get rid of. He's got two years, <laughs> about $35, $36 million left. Um, and then I think the one of those is one of those years partially guaranteed. I believe it is partially guaranteed, but just for for the books, that's what we got. Two years, thirty six. The Pacers are sending Buddy Heald, pick twenty six, or Chris Duarte, and then a twenty twenty four top eight protected first because the Mavs won't have a first in next year's draft. It will likely be conveying to the Knicks, so they kind of kick the can down the road. They get a first round pick next year. They get Buddy this year. And then either pick 26 or Duarte, whoever you value, maybe less. Okay, so 2024 top eight protected pick yep. with Buddy Hield for 10. And, and we would Bertans. be taking Bertans. Yeah. And potentially Chris Duarte instead of 26. Yeah. I think that it makes more sense to keep Duarte on the Pacers and give them 26. I think they yeah. would rather have that. Because at 26, they could probably get someone like Maxwell Lewis. Yeah, cheaper that also for for their team. You know, at that point, could fit um, could fit as like a wing guy that can shoot really well. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I mean, pick ten can be had. Yes, I I wonder if they're wanting more for pick ten. Like, I wonder if they feel like, well, we can get way better than Buddy Hill for ten. Like, I can just see them talking themselves into that. Yeah, but getting a future the next draft is pretty enticing as well. 
when they don't yeah. have one. So that's kind of the like, hmm, okay. So I think that this deal could be had mainly because they want Bertans off the team. Yeah. With Buddy immediately coming in there, he can help. I mean, especially if they do re-sign Kyrie. And then obviously to get a first-round pick next year, which could be, say, I don't know, could be picked 15 or, or anything in that range. I think yeah. it's kind of a, a good deal for them and a good deal for us. Yeah, I think I'd probably do this one, Pachi. I think that one, pretty enticing, uh, especially if you're the Pacers. Uh, Dallas, I mean, they just need to get more players around Luka, and I think Buddy could be a really nice offensive fit. Wonder about, I worry about his defense, I do. But offensively, makes a lot of sense. Um, my last one here, I said Chris Duarte and pick 26 to the Horn, uh, Hornets. Wow. Uh, to the Pelicans. I saw New Orleans and I said Hornets. That's how old school I'm thinking right now. But I said Duarte and 26 to the Pelicans for Garrett Temple in 14. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I would love to do that deal. I, I, I would do it if they if they would do it. Yeah, I just wonder, like, because they're in a spot where they really have to start consolidating mm-hmm. their picks and their – not their picks, but their their roster. And um, they can't use all of these picks. Like, the Pelicans own the Lakers' picks moving forward, and they own uh, a, a bunch of Bucks picks. Like, they own a lot of draft picks, and we've seen how this goes in times – kind of like OKC where it's like we saw OKC trade three first round picks last year uh to get pick 12 or Usman Jang uh you yeah. know whatever whatever 12 whatever it was uh eventually a team needs to kind of punt on a pick and if if pick 14 could be available for the price that you mentioned I would love to do that yeah it was it was pick number 11 and it's only because I remember because we sort of talk about trading Brogdon yeah yeah to the Knicks for 11 and they took Dang or Zhang at eleven because that was the pick they traded for, and they took Jalen Williams at twelve because that was their pick, and they wanted to make sure that they got the guy that they wanted in case a trade fell through, so that they could have Jalen Williams. So, yeah. Uh, only reason I thought about it: Garrett Temple's kind of out of the rotation, older guy, expiring contract, five million dollars left. Duarte's got at least team control for the next so many years. You move back twelve spots, but like I said, I think anything from like that ten to twenty-five range, it's very understandable. Like. I feel, like, I feel like it's very interchangeable. Um, so, all right, Fachi, let's close out this trade conversation. We've been going for a little bit here, so we need to keep it moving. Um, how do the Pacers consolidate their picks to move up in the draft, but outside of the lottery? Do you have any trade ideas for me? I do, man. I feel I feel like this guy's getting just dragged throughout my trade rumors, but it's a deal with the Lakers. It's pick 17 and Malik Beasley uh, for Buddy Heald, 26 and 32. Okay, yeah, I had something similar. I had Buddy Heal, Daniel Tice, 26 and 29 to the Lakers for Mo Bamba, Mo, uh, Malik Beasley, number 17, and the 2024 second from the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love any excuse out there to unload Tice. Um, and I did at one point have a Mo Bamba, you know, crush. trade. And, and I, I, you know, yeah, I had, I had the crush, as did a lot of people. But I had them in a trade at one point, and I was like, eh, you know, I don't need two Lakers trades for this exercise. So I would take a, a roll of dice on Mo Bamba. Malik Beasley, look, a good player, you know, a solid player that will accept a bench role, no doubt about it. But I also feel like the Lakers have wanted Buddy Heald for quite some time now, a a few years. And I think that pick 17 is very much available. So I would do your deal. I would do my deal. Either one. They're both very similar in structure because I basically said you could do the same deal uh, without Bamba and Tice or without Heald and Beasley. Like, could you trade them Daniel Tice for Mo Bamba and then give them 26 and 29? Or 17. I think they'd probably be intrigued by that because Daniel Tice is a good backup center. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that'd be some nice front court depth for them and another like decent salary they could trade as well if they want to make a trade. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why I kind of did that. Um, my last one here, Fachi, I had 26, 29 and a 20, 24 second from Milwaukee to Golden State for 19. I don't think the Warriors have anything in 2024 pick wise. So this gives them a second. They move back and get 26 and 29. There's no players involved, but this allows them to get two cheaper contracts to go out and add to their roster to try to help them as they're in a very tight situation with their salary cap. That That is interesting. I, I guess part of that depends on what happens with Draymond. If Draymond does leave, then I guess they do have a lot more flexibility. If they do re-sign Draymond, then I think that deal probably is far more appealing to them. I would love to do that deal if I'm the Pacers to be able to get 19. I feel like it, it is a great opportunity for the Warriors to just kind of round out their roster, but it's, yeah, they really can't trade 19 for a player because I feel like it's it's going to be kind of tough to, to be able to make that salary work. Yeah. 26 and 29, it feels like they can't really draft both players and, and actually play them. So, you know, that's, yeah, a, that's a tough spot. But if they got like a, a Jaime Heikes at like 26, who's been kind of rising, like this is a guy yeah. that can play now, I think. If they get like a Maxwell Lewis, like I talked about, or a Ben Shepard at 29, like these are guys that can play. Yeah, um, that that to me is like okay, we can get two for one almost because it's just like I think at nineteen, like who the Pacers targeting? Maybe somebody like Leonard Miller, someone like that. Uh, no. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? But someone yeah. like that, where there's been some concerns about like his overall weakness, needs to add strength, that kind of stuff. But the Warriors could add two guys ready to play now. Like let's just put it into perspective. Like let's say they don't want to go bench up, but he's a little bit older, so that makes sense. But like Jaime Hikes, and they wanted to go with uh, Trey Jackson Davis, right? A guy that's ready to play right now. Uh, sure, they might not be like in the rotation when you get to like the second or third round of the playoffs, but they can be good regular season pieces that help you and give you some depth. Yeah, uh, I think there's, I think both parties have reason to be interested in that deal. I think if you're the Pacers, I think it's a perfect deal. I, I really do. And I think that if you're the Warriors, um, you know, probably helps just kind of build out a roster. Um, so I, I think it's a good deal. Uh, I'd be on board. Awesome. Do you have any more? Uh, I do. So in this situation, it's the Houston Rockets. Pick okay. 20. I believe it's very much available. So either Duarte and pick 29 or pick 26 and 29 for 20. Yeah, I would do it. I mean, it's about the same range where we were at with Golden State. It's just one pick less or one pick further down yeah. the board. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all in for that. Uh, it's hard with Duarte right now because his value is so low, and I feel like – there's part of me that thinks that he's better than what his value is showing right now, but there's also part of, of me that thinks that it's just going to be like this for a while. I don't know how he's going to improve it that much. I, I talk like myself we talk into about... both all the time. Like I just yeah. I, I see both sides. So like we were talking with Tony the other day. Uh, what could he really do to get his value up unless there's some like catastrophic injury or some awful thing that happens for the Pacers, which obviously – you know, don't, don't want that speaking to existence like I just did. But the other situation is pretty much the same trade with the Brooklyn Nets. Pick 22 for Duarte and, and 29. And part of the reason why I do that is the Nets have 21 and 22. And I was at the game where Duarte dropped a career high 30 against the Nets. So maybe they're like, hey, you know what? I believe in this guy. Let's add him to this, this core. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... It's interesting. I mean, why not move back seven spots and take a flyer on a guy that was a lottery pick two years ago? I mean, if you're Brooklyn, I think you have to consider it. So Especially when they don't own their own picks moving forward, it's kind mm -hmm. of like a, a consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, you get a you get a Christy Duarte since you traded all your picks away. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's it's not the it's not the worst idea. I think there's a lot of optionality there to trade up. Um, 
in that range, that 17 to 23 range. I feel like it's very easy to try to find a place to trade up in. But uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. That was the trade section of our draft guide. When we come back, we're going to be looking at different players that we like for each of the areas of paces are projected to pick. So uh, we'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Fachi, we're going to work our way from the back of the draft to the front of the draft. So the Pacers have pick 55. They got pick 32, 29, 26, and 7. You've heard us talk about all of these draft picks as we've been talking about different trades and stuff like that. But we're going to look at players that could be intriguing at all these. So we're going to start at 55. Give me two players that you're intrigued by at 55 or potential undrafted free agents. You know me. You say two players, I'll give you three. Look, oh my god! Did you do three? <laughs> we, I did three. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Follow the rules, man. This nah, happened never, last year. I always do it. Look, I'm going to give you three. Oh. Amani Bates, the talent alone, I think is worth taking a gamble on. This guy was one of the top recruits in the nation. It didn't work out at Memphis. Moves over to Eastern Michigan. The talent's there. He's raw. I think he'd be a very, uh, very high potential two way player. Uh, next, Tumani Kamara, six foot eight power forward out of Dayton, seven foot wingspan. Pacers brought him in twice. The only guy the Pacers worked out twice. Real solid defensively. Averaged 14, nearly nine boards. Shot 55% and 36% from three. And then last, friend of the show, if we'll call him that, Muhammad Gay. Look, had a solo workout for the Pacers. Here's the thing. he He's 6'11 with a 7'3 wingspan. He's only been playing ball for organized ball for three and a half years. He's a gifted passing big man. Really good offensive rebounder. And if he ever even comes close to hitting his actual potential, he's going to be a home run pick at 55. 
Okay, well, I'll do one because you took one of mine. Oh, since you're so selfish, and had to do three. Uh, you <laughs> took him. You took a Monty Bates. I mean, this is a guy right. at 55. Like, come on. Like, oh yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, he's not even in my top 60. Okay, well, who cares? It's 55. Like, what's the difference between 55 and 75? Nobody even gives exactly. a crap at this point. Uh, but for me, the guy that I have number one on this list, and I think he's actually going to go higher because he's been kind of rising a little bit, but he was in this range for a while. It's Seth Lundy. Six foot six wing guard out of Penn State was phenomenal in the Big Ten tournament. Um, just a guy that really knows how to score the basketball. Going to be a really good role player. Not super athletic, Fachi, but 220 pounds, super high basketball IQ, knows how to take advantage of different things like that. Uh, an, ing- an incredible rebounder for his position as well. Uh, so I, I really do think that Seth Lundy is a guy like, this is a guy that's going to go all out and give you everything he's got every single night. So if the Pacers could somehow get Seth Lundy at 55, I'd be interested. I'd also be somebody I'd be interested in moving up for in the second round if he's falling, kind of like we did last year with Kendall Brown. Hey, one of the best players Penn State's ever had. Senior, you know, this this guy, uh, very, lay it all on the line, is, is a great description. That is what he did, and he was a, a big reason why Penn State had one of their better years. Um, so I, I'd be intrigued by that. Um now, okay, I know I stole your other guys, but I think that those are kind of the players that realistically could be in that range. So I don't think that we really mention anyone that, hey, this guy's going to go, say, 35 or 40 or anything like that. Mm. But one of the next questions that you had, and I guess uh, you can go first here, two players that you're intrigued by at pick 32. All right, I'll do one, and then I'll let you do one. We can go sure. back and forth on yeah. this. So my first guy here. Andre Jackson Jr. from Connecticut. This was someone that Tony East brought up, and I know Tony's been high on, but this is a Rick Carlisle guy. He's known for his defense, helped UConn get to their championship uh, win this year over San Diego State. He was just phenomenal the entire tournament. I think that you're looking at a guy that's going to come in right away and be ready to play from day one, and I think at pick 32, they're probably looking at someone that could do that, similar to Andrew Nimhart, who they probably didn't realize was as good as he was, but I think now that they've saw that small sample size of, hey, if we find someone that's got some veteran experience in college at 32, they could be a guy for us that could help us in the long run. So Andre Jackson Jr. is my first one, Fachi. Did I take one of yours? Uh, no, no, he's not on there uh, on my list. But okay. 32 is a range that is just so tough to predict. I'll just go off by saying I don't think that Gigi Jackson is going to be there. If you look on Tankathon, he's 32. If you look on Kevin O'Connor's list, he's 33. If for some reason, Reason he was there, yes, that is absolutely who I would want. But a player that probably will be there or could be City Sissoko. Uh, okay, swing for upside. Look, he's 19 years old from France, six foot six, near six foot ten wingspan. He's raw, played in the G League. I think that this is a player that you can let develop. And when you're talking about someone who could go over and you know go back to the G League, I guess, uh, with Mad Ants, I think that that's someone that you could bring along slowly compared to needing that player right away because I don't by any means think that he would have an Andrew Nemhard type of season at a pick 32. Yeah, that's a that's a good one there, Fachi. I like that one. For me at number two, my last player on this list, a guy I've been talking about for a long time, Julian Strather from Gonzaga. Right. Uh, right. Great three-point shooter, very active defender who can pressure the ball. Uh, you know, I don't really think he's a great on-ball kind of guy, but um, he's got size and strength to make plays in the lane, rebounds the ball well on both ends of the floor. Um, I just love his quick release on a three-point shot. Like he is a legit good shooter with a good IQ, and he's coming from that Gonzaga offense that we saw 
the Pacers love about Andrew Nimhart and Benedict Mathern playing with Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, who came from Gonzaga under Mark Few. So I think this is someone that fits in kind of seamlessly with what they like to do offensively. Came in for a workout. I know he was kind of one of the headliners of that workout too. So Julian Strather to me is someone I'm really enticed by, but I've kind of seen him in like the mid 40 range going to the Lakers a lot of like 47. And I'm just like, eh, I I think that a team is going to take him higher than that. Yeah, that that would be very, very interesting. I would be on board, especially at pick 32. Such that's why I wanted that pick so bad because you're getting these guys that had such high upside um at, at pick 32. But next, this is someone who probably doesn't probably not there at 32. But we also have another pick, so maybe he will be there. So maybe we'll hear his name again. But Trace Jackson Davis at this point, if he's on the board at 32, how could you pass him? You're gonna get someone right now that I feel like is experience. Experience has got to be the word because what he put together at IU, being a player who could defend, rebound, block shots, make smart plays, uh, obviously I- extremely familiar with Indiana from playing there. His dad, at the three-point shot, it sounds like it very well could be there. And he brought uh, up a great point, and we've talked about Look, I'm not talking about from, uh, hey, rookie year, he's going to give you this, but it made sense of why would he ever need to shoot a three in college. Mm-hmm. It's just not, not, not a... Not an effective play when he could just get to the hoop. So at 32, if he's there, I think you got to snag him. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him because he's on our next question for players I'm intrigued by at 29. I had Trace Jackson Davis. And um, I'm just going to elaborate on what you basically said. And I will say this. Trace and his camp have done a good job convincing people that the three-point shot could be there. Because let's be honest, it's never been there. Why should we believe that it is now? Because he did good in some drills. And I think he even said he didn't shoot the ball well in the drills. So... Yeah, maybe it's there, maybe it's not, maybe it's a fluke, maybe he's probably a 30% three-point shooter and he's gotten lucky in some workouts. Like, let's be honest, like NBA game speed and that kind of stuff, it's totally different. I think he's going to have to earn that respect from the outside, but everything else I think he's very intriguing as a prospect. Uh, Got great hands, got a great feel for the game, has a great basketball IQ, knows how to position himself, good rebounder, solid defender, good secondary rim protector, could even be a good rim protector, but he's only 6'9", so it's like, one of those things where he's probably more of an in-betweener between a four and a five, but I think he's got the lateral quickness to be able to stay with fours in the league. So I, uh, I'm i really intrigued by him. Everyone always calls me a homer for it, but it's not homerism. It's just talentism. I'm a, I'm a fan of talent. I think Trace Jackson Davis has a ton of talent inside of his uh, in, inside there. And so I think that he's one of those guys that he's going to surprise people uh, no matter where he's drafted. I think he's going to have a role somewhere on someone's team and be a really nice player in the NBA. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that he's someone that, you know, I'm not going to go with him again, but he was someone that I also <laughs> had in that 29 range because, look, he's going to be between most likely 29 to 32, give or take a pick or so. So, you know, he would also crack my list. But then moving at, at 29, it gets to a point where it just feels like all these guys are just moving on up because they're all getting green room invites when I made this list initially, Brandon Pajemski felt like someone that could be, you know, between the, the 26 to 29 range. He just got a green room invite. So I don't even know if he'll, I don't even expect him to be there at 29 anymore, but you're getting potentially a really good score, a really good, good three point shooter at nearly 44%. He could defend well, he could rebound well at nine rebounds per game, average nearly four assists. It just felt like he did it all. And if, if he happened to be there at 29, it would be near impossible to pass him up. Yeah, one of the reasons I didn't put him on my list at 29 is because I don't think he's going to be there. He's a guy that I really like. He was on my top 20 list, and 
you know, it's kind of crazy because he had like a no year at Illinois two years ago. It was just like Average non-existent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Non-existent, wasn't in the rotation, transfers to Santa Clara and becomes like a top 25 lottery or draft pick. So it's like, okay, who is this Brandon Pajemski and where's, where, what took him so long to, you know, bust out from Illinois to Santa Clara. But, you know, I, I really like his game. I feel like, and I'm just going to say this on the record here. I think that because Jalen Williams had such a good year out of Santa Clara last year, it is helping boost his stock. I think that there's some investment with what's going on in Santa Clara because they've been a good team. They're a West Coast team. Personally, for me, I think the hype's a little too much for me with Podzimski. Good player. But for Tony East to have him at 11. uh, That was was a little bit much. Okay. I mean, nothing against what Tony says. I mean, that's his own opinion. But for me, that was just like, ah, it's really high for a guy. That I one feel year. like one good one year at Santa Clara. Good year. That's it. Santa Clara and the year before couldn't see the floor in Illinois. So obviously the Big Ten's a much better conference than Santa Clara or the conference Santa Clara's in as well. So, you know, it's it's one of those things I like him, but I feel like he's getting a little bit overvalued. But we'll see what he does in the league. Maybe I could be completely wrong and sound like an idiot five years from now. But uh at 29, though, like if he's there, yeah, I'm super happy about that. I've been uh, very intrigued by him. I'll give you my last play here at 29. This is a guy that just worked out for the Pacers on Monday. Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine, Fachi. Six foot eight, three and D kind of guy. Talked about how he loves playing defense. If you go listen to his interview that he did with the Pacers and their and their media team, and it's on posted on YouTube and on their uh, Instagram and on their Twitter channel, he's a guy that you could just easily fall in love with as a personality. I think Maxwell Lewis is a guy that is going to be good. He's got to add some more muscle to his frame. He's still very thin. But I think overall, he could be a nice 3 and D type of guy, especially at 29. Like I've mentioned his name a few times when we've talked about trade scenarios for teams targeting him. I think that he's one of those guys that could kind of end up being uh, slept on, slide in the draft, and could be uh, a good role player moving forward. Yep, I have him on our list as well. I completely agree with you. Six foot six, seven foot wingspan. You're going to get a real good three-point shooter. He's going to hustle. He'll defend. Uh, the fact that the Pacers are familiar with him, I like it if he's there. Hey, I love it. These are exactly the players that we talked about that are so interchangeable that could go from potentially the early 20s all the way to, you know, the end of the first round. But if any of them are there, I think the Pacers are in a great spot because a guy like, for instance, eh, you know what, I'll save him because he could he could be there at 26. Get to him next. Yeah, so you two players, you're intrigued by 26. Okay, I'll let you go first this time. I've been kind of going first last couple times. All right. If Noah Clowney's there, I want him. And, okay. and we've seen Noah Clowney mocked to potentially, and sometimes being just outside the first round, which I think is a bit crazy. Sometimes we've seen him at 29. Just to be safe, I put him at 26 because if he's on the board, I think that you're getting someone that, uh, look, averaged nearly a double-double at a top-ranked Alabama team. I think if if he's in a, a different style of a offense probably does put up bigger numbers his shot looks better than what his three-point percentage is he can block shots i think that when you look at the top you know fours that are in this league you'll be getting phenomenal in this draft you'd be getting phenomenal value with noah Clowney at a pick 26 i think noah Clowney has been rising up boards for a reason mock drafts he's been like top 22 now i think i've seen him a lot of times like in that 20 to 23 range like he's not passing that so there's a reason he got a green room, green room invite. I think he'll be gone before 26. But yeah, if he's so there, too. he's an enticing player, man. Super young too. I uh, can't pass a big that knows how to shoot the ball. I mean, that's just that's hard to find in today's NBA. Is like good three point shooting bigs. So yeah, I think that he's a very interesting prospect. I'll give you my first one here, Fachi. Uh, I talked about him earlier. 
and he keeps sliding. I think he might have been. Did you have him at 32, Gigi Jackson? Yeah, it, on the off chance that he's somehow there, but I would still take him at 26 if he's there. Yeah, so I put him at 26 because, like you said, I can see him going earlier than the second round. Um, I can see a team trade up to get him. I think he's got a ton of talent. Um, if you think he's going to be a first-round talent next year, just take the man this year. You got three yeah. picks. If you can't find a trade-up situation where you feel like you're going to get someone's going to help you by trading up, then just stay it there and, and take him. I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Uh, just find the fit that makes the most sense. And I think in three to four years, you could be looking at Gigi Jackson as a key rotational piece for wherever he's drafted if he reaches his talent. So uh, I've got Gigi Jackson here. He's not my number one on this list, but he's my number two on this list that I'm intrigued by at 26. Oh, man. 26 on the board. The value is just its so good. Uh, I have a guy that's been sliding for a while, and I think at 26, the value is exactly what comes to mind. A guy that you really don't like. That's Bryce Sensible. Because you're going to get a really good I don't good hate Bryce Sensible. I, I know you don't hate him. I just don't love the fit with the Pacers right yes. now. No, I get it. But you're going to get a real good score. Uh, shot 40, 41% from three-point range. Good mid-range shooter, which I know is you know not what they like in the NBA. I know he's had some injuries. But I think that if he wasn't so banged up, probably would have been definitely a top 20 pick. At one point, seemed that he was floating around that 15 range. To be able to get him at 26 just feels so good. And we've seen some mock drafts now where he's actually slid to the Pacers at, I want to say, pick 29. 32. 32. Like, man, 26, 29, 32. If you can get him, it's it's a good pick. Yeah, Gavoni actually said today on ESPN that he's been sliding and he thinks he's a top 15 talent, top 20 talent in this draft yeah. class. And he said he keeps fly, uh, sliding because of a season-ending injury that he had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had to have surgery. And I think that's the same thing with Derek Whitehead. Like these guys yep. that are having these injuries and these surgeries are falling a little bit. So, yeah, the fit for me is just because I worry about his defense. It's just not something that's been there. Uh, the, he can put the ball in the hoop, though. That's for dang sure. He's got some yes. crazy athleticism like I didn't realize he had. Like – there's a highlight where he just like burst out of nowhere and has this nice dunk in traffic. I'm like, okay, Bryce, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like, honestly, like I will just say this, we're going to get to it in a little bit later. Like players who wouldn't want them to take. I found myself making the case for almost every player. Like, no, I, I can kind of see why the Pacers would take them. It was almost like there's very few that I just don't like. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm kind of excited about this draft class, but uh, for my last one here, Fodge at 26, which I've kind of been seeing rising, and it makes me sad because I'm hoping if if he is rising, we trade up for him. It's a guy that I said I think could be a, an all star potential. Olivier Maxence Prosper. I'm super intrigued by his game. I'm starting to get a big draft crush on him. Uh, I'm to the point right now where it's like between him and Gigi Jackson, who I would want the Pacers to take with that extra pick that they have uh, or move up to take. I just like these guys are like in the same tier for me and like terms of like excitement level for them. I don't know why recently I've been so enticed by Olivier Maxson's prosper, but I just see the wingspan. I see the positional fit. I think he's a better defender right now than Juju Jackson. I think he just is a workaholic. I think he's got incredible work ethic, good feel for the game. Um, I think he's a great fit for this Pacers team. Reminds me of someone that Toronto would take with how they usually go after their guys. And so that's why I'm thinking, hey, the Raptors love them wings. I want a wing just like that. Olivier Maxence Prosper is the guy that I've got on my big board. Uh, really, really excited, intrigued by him at 26, but I'd be even intrigued at him at 18 to 15. Ooh, all right. I mean, yeah, they, the Toronto does love them a long wing, and that is that is exactly how he is. Um, also from Canada, 
But yeah. I, I do think that that would be a good pick. And yeah, this, the second he got that green room invite, I was like, oh my God, I must be sleeping on, <laughs> on him and a few other guys. Look, if I'm going to do a little honorable mention, uh, Derek Whitehead, I don't think will be there at okay. 26. I, I, but that's someone like, you know, if somehow he's there, I, I need him. I do. Yeah. But I, I still think he's probably going to go like 21, 22 to Brooklyn. And somewhere in like that range, and someone's gonna get a real good value pick. But uh somebody's yeah. gonna fall because all these guys we're talking about, like there's people above them that are getting mocked ahead of them that we haven't really brought up. Like I, I think that we're gonna see some of these guys in the ranges that we have fall quite a bit. Yeah. Um, one guy that I think is interesting is Chris Murray. We both were very high on him early in the process and haven't really talked about him as much. I actually wrote him down for 26 and I erased it because I don't think he's gonna be there. So I think he doesn't slide past 24 with the Kings. I think they're going to take him if he's there at 24. Um, but I've even seen like the Heat, the Warriors, very interested in him as well. I saw one mock draft. I think the uh, the Hawks took him at 15. Whoa. So that was a bit of a, a shock to me. But I just think that uh, I I saw the, that uh, GM executive thing that uh, the Athletic put out where they were like asking opinions on certain players. They said, I really hope people don't think Chris Murray is even close to Keegan Murray because he's not nearly as physical or as defensive-minded. He's a lefty that's a little bit more finesse and more of a shooter scorer that doesn't like the physical contact of the game like Keegan does. So uh, if you're thinking you're getting Keegan Murray 2.0, you're not getting that. So stay away from Kevin O'Connor's mock, uh, you know, big board and his mock draft with his comparison on that one if you're uh, if you're an NBA executive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, hand on the Bible, I had the same thing. Look, I I said, don't think Chris Murray will be there. Potential 3 and D type player, can rebound more season. But when you, when you mentioned about uh, not being Chris, uh, Keegan Murray, there's a big difference between going pro after your freshman year, going fourth overall, and then being, you know, a junior who, at this point, he is one of the older players in the draft that maybe is going in the 20s. So, yeah, Keegan's definitely got that high upside. So, But for Chris Murray, I do think there's a lot to like if he happened to be there at 26 Pacers you're getting a really good pick but to see him projected at times whatever you said 15 to 18 or anything like that that that's a little bit too high for an upperclassman I don't think they even brought him in for a workout the Pacers yeah I don't and they brought in 65 guys so yeah and when you're left off that list you you gotta think you're probably not going to the Pacers but uh, at, at the same point Crazier things have happened, but clearly, I think maybe the Pacers are probably looking at this team, looking at this draft, saying, "Hey, let's draft for a little bit more higher upside and younger players." Maybe they feel a little bit burned by Duarte, you know, of how that that played out. Um, recency biased, who knows? But I, I wouldn't blame them if they uh, didn't have him so high on their draft board. Defensive-minded guy, he is not. And the Pacers only have been bringing in guys that are mostly known for defensive that are in that range. Because um, I don't think Sensiball is brought in either. No, was not. Yeah, so that to me is like, okay, they're looking at guys that can bring more defensively. Um, that's a good point. And that's kind of what I'm thinking at for like the workouts. I don't want to read too much into it. But all right, last one here. Three players we're intrigued by at number seven. Let's work our way up from your least most intriguing to your most intriguing. Okay, least intriguing – Hmm. I, I I guess I guess I'll go probably Jarris Walker. Um, okay. I I like Jarris Walker. I I do. But if someone said okay, long term is he an all star? I'm I'm saying no. I'm saying no. I think you're going to get a real solid defensive big. He's a good passer. But I think that you're going to say hey, look, like I'm hitting for a double instead of swinging for the fences. 
that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and, and also, I, I want to throw this out there that I do think that if he did go to uh, a, a team outside of like a Houston, that was you know the, the style of offense that they ran and how good they were. I do think he would have put up bigger numbers, been able to have the ball in his hands more. more. So I like him. I'm not in love with them. Next, Asar uh, Thompson. Wait, oh, wait, sorry. wait. We're supposed to go back and forth, man. Don't oh. be jumping the gun now. Well, I'm you eager. said Asar. My God. Okay. I'm so eager. I said Jarris Walker two for three. Okay. And I actually believe what I said last night with Tony when we were talking with him. I said, look, I think that if you compare his attributes to Taylor Hendricks, you give him the edge almost on everything besides rim protection and three-point shooting. However, that is a huge thing that you need in today's NBA. I think that the offensive game is probably better than what we saw at Houston. I think he's got an NBA-ready body. I think Jairus Walker is going to be a very, very, very good player, and there is a reason why he is heavily rumored to Detroit at five. I think he's a very good secondary playmaker. I believe in his game. I've been high on him for a while, even though he's not the most intriguing to me. If we took him at seven, I'm, I'll am i just say right now, I fully anticipate the Pacers to take him at seven if he's there on the board out of these guys that we're talking about. I just yep. feel like they've kind of pigeonholed themselves into this. I felt that same way last year about Keegan Murray. If he was there at six, they were going to take him no matter what. I think they've kind of talked themselves into Jairus no matter what at uh, seven. Um, if if he's on the board and they take somebody else, I'll be completely stunned. Okay, That's just how I feel about this altogether. Don't think his ceiling's as high as the other two guys we're probably both going to talk about here, but I like him a lot. I think Jairus Walker is a very, very, very talented basketball player, and he will make the Pacers better if he's brought here. So I'm not going to sit here and crap on the guy. Because last year we were crapping like crazy on Keegan Murray for not having yeah. as high of a ceiling, but that's not the case. I think Keegan Murray is actually going to be a potential all-star. Uh, he's got that in his game. He's a good 3 and D player, and we saw yeah. what he did against the Warriors. At like game four or five, he really started to find himself, and you saw, okay, this is a two-way guy that can actually do some stuff. So I think that the consensus last year from Pacer fans on Keegan Murray was a little bit um, not – I don't think it was right. I think it was wrong. I think Pacer fans are pretty wrong on him just because they wanted Ivy so much. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm sorry for going a little bit long here, but I like Jairus Walker a lot. I think that similarly how I felt last year about Keegan Murray compared to the other two, I'm not as intrigued by, but I think sometimes what these guys bring, what you know, you're getting the ceiling might not be as high, but the floor is high. And I think he's going to be a really good basketball player, no matter where he goes. But I think in Indiana, he could be a really good player. I think he really, really could be. And I, I wish, I think if we probably saw you know, that he did have a bigger role, then I think it would be like, okay, wow, this is a can't-miss prospect. But yeah, if he is on the board, I think the Pacers, it makes so much sense. And when we did our fits, I had him as the fit because I just feel like that is what the Pacers are looking for. But I just feel like if you're looking to perhaps dream bigger, then next the next player on my list would be Asar Thompson. Yeah. And, I'm going to be honest. Like I said, I'm not an overtime elite guy. I, I just feel Wonder like. Why. Yeah, well, look, I, I just, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I've watched so much more college basketball. I could sell myself in the G League. The overtime elite, it's still that newish thing that it's not proven yet. But Asar Thompson is freakishly athletic. He can make plays, uh, defend really well. When you're looking for a playmaker, athletic, you know, all defend defensive, you know, uh, capabilities. He's got all of that. The shot, and everyone believes, look, the shot's far more long than his brother, men who's projected to go fourth. So I just feel like that's where you could live with saying, and we took the swing. 
And you know what? If it doesn't work out, I don't think that you're going to be getting a bust by any means. I think you're still going to be getting a really solid player. And I could live with that. Um, so that's why I have, you know, in this list, you know, there's Jarris at three, there's a SAR at two. Who do you got at two? Yeah. So, you know, as far as a really interesting prospect, because let me just ask you this real quick before I yeah. give my answer, because I'm pulling something up here real quick. Um, if you had to pick, and you're on the board, and both Taylor Hendricks and Asar Thompson are there at number two or at number seven. Who are you taking? I think Asar has the higher upside in the league if he ever hits his potential. I am far more of a Taylor Hendricks guy myself because I'm not seeing flaws to his game. Okay, that's kind of how I view it. As I view Taylor Hendricks as a safer pick who could come in and you know what you're getting. Asar, I think you're still hoping of what you're getting. And if you ever get that, if he ever achieves that, then you nailed the pick. Yeah. This is where it gets tough for me because at number two, I'm trying to pull this up because I talked about that article. I read um, this. Uh, there we go. Taylor Hendricks. Um, I had him at number two um, because okay. I think intriguing wise, he's very intriguing to me. I really want him as the pick at number seven. Okay. I've talked about it. He's a guy that I think makes the most sense fit wise and uh, three point shooting secondary rim protection, but uh, this is what a college head coach had to say. Uh, his team played UCF. He said, he's phenomenal, long, and athletic. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw him. He hasn't scratched the surface of how good he can be. When you put 15, 20 more pounds on his body, I think the sky's the limit. Because Johnny Dawkins gave him freedom, he's comfortable out there on the perimeter, handling the ball, getting his shot. He's athletic, and I see him a lot like Jonathan Isaac. But I think he's got a little bit more bite to him than Isaac does can shoot it, can put it on the floor, can guard one through five. It's not that Hendricks is the toughest bear in the woods, but if those dudes get a mean streak in them, they could be good and be top-tier NBA players. As the season progressed, you could see he was the guy. They went to him on the wing and on the elbows. He was comfortable taking, not that it's the best play, contested shots. He wasn't afraid of the moment. There's a difference between a guy who can play in the first 38 minutes of the game versus the last two minutes of the game, some guy play their butts off early, and then in the last few minutes, they don't want any part of it. So that to me was like, man, like everything that coach was saying made me very excited about what Taylor Hendricks could become. And that's why I think I'm so much more intrigued by him over Jairus Walker, because some of the stuff they were saying about Jairus Walker, Faji, was not great. Uh, you want me to read what one of the coaches said here? I know I'm reading a lot, but I'll just read it real quick. He I said, full book. But yeah, what do you got? <laughs> he said, as the season went on, he got more and more aggressive. He started to understand what his capabilities were. I would like for him to be more active. When I say active, I mean getting to the glass a little more, posting up a little more, using that big physical body a little more. To me, he was trying to be more of a finesse player, and that's the trap a lot of these young players run into. They feel like what they that's what they need to do to be NBA players, but no, just do what you do well right now. With that big body, I thought he could have been much more physical. I thought he could have attacked the glass more on the offensive end and on the defensive end, but he has a high ceiling in the NBA because of his size, his ability to shoot the ball, and his ability to put it on the floor. Toward the end of the season, Coach Sampson put him on the post a little more. Anytime he had size advantages, they were running him into the post. It could have been a thing where it was scripted, but I would like to see him recognize that a little bit more on his own. Houston's one of the best defensive teams in the country in the last five years, so he's going to know how to chop them uh, chop them puppies. So basically what he said is too much of a finesse game for his physical body, and that to me is one of the big concerns we had. One of the things we talked about was the floater, that kind of stuff. So I know I read this a lot, but uh, that to me was just really enticing. I couldn't pass that up. Yeah, and that, that's that's the thing is like I do think that in year one, Taylor Hendricks showed more 
But also, it's just crazy because we're going off of really a sample size of one year to say, hey, look, I don't know if this will ever happen when these guys are both so young that they could continuously grow into players that we we never even imagined. But based off of your description right there, I mean, for Taylor Hendricks, it, it felt like there is much more when it felt like for Jarris Walker, it felt like there was more to be desired. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in, the, in that situation, Hendricks feels like he could blossom into more of a two-way player. Or Jarris Walker, I think you're still hoping that his offense can ever catch up to his defense. Yeah, so that's number one is Taylor Hendricks for you, I'm assuming, right? Number one is Taylor Hendricks for me. And a lot of the things that you went through, I, I just feel like you're getting a really good shooter uh, on, on a team that obviously loves to shoot threes under Carlisle. You're getting... You already have the point guard that can get him better looks than he could have ever dreamed of. You're getting a really good shot blocker already. And look, he averaged close to eight rebounds in college. I just feel like I, I like the size. He is taller than Jarris Walker. I mean, the, I, I, the turning point for me was finding out that Jarris Walker was about 6'6 and change. Uh, I know it's if he was an extra, like I've talked about it before, if he was an extra inch. Does it really make me that much more on board? I don't <laughs> know, but something about six six in, in a in a time where now you're starting to see some point guards be six six and shooting guards be six six. It just had me like, ah. and I know Jarris Walker's got a crazy wingspan, close to seven three, which is very appealing. But Taylor Hendricks in this NBA, I just feel like being more of a two way player to me than what Jarris Walker probably is is what uh, was the clincher for me. Okay, so my number one is Sar Thompson. I am intrigued okay. by him beyond belief, Fachi. I think that Kevin Pritchard probably is intrigued too. I think if Kevin Pritchard was making the pick on his own and didn't have to listen to everybody else telling him what to do or like giving their suggestions, I think he would just, if he's on the board, run to the board and say Sar Thompson if Jarris or Taylor were on the board. Um, but I think that he's going to get heavily influenced by Rick Carlisle and some of the other guys in there to try to get a power forward. So, uh, that is where I feel about this. Like, I'm, I could be totally wrong. Maybe Pritchard hates Asar Thompson, but it's just my gut feeling. I think that Pritchard likes those kind of guys uh, just because, you know, I've heard things about Pritchard and stuff like that he's interested in. And, uh, but yeah, I think that you're talking about an elite level athlete, Fachi. Like, Asar Thompson fits in perfectly with this team, um, can play that three. I think that it allows you to put Benedict at the two, be a little bit bigger, bring Nimhart off the bench, have another playmaker in the, in the in the bench and it also allows Asar because Asar is a good playmaker. Uh, men's the point guard, but Asar is a secondary guy. But you know, uh, according to the NBA draft room.com, Asar Thompson is a Skywalker, an elite above the rim player who is an absolute freak of an athlete, a long arm, six foot seven. He makes the game look effortless, super quick off the floor, and bouncy as all get out. He's a skilled ball handler with elite bursts to the rim, creative finisher who can score with either hand and can hang in the air for creative layups and showtime dunks. This to me has all-star written all over it. I put him as an all-star potential guy on my list when we talked about potential all-stars in this draft. Didn't put Hendricks or Walker on there because I don't see that ceiling for them. But yeah, this guy smashes through the ceilings of both those guys if they all reach their potential. Me too on the on the all-star versus fringe. I, I have a SAR even, even though I at this moment prefer a Taylor Hendricks. I do think that a SAR has that higher upside. It's just a matter of if he ever hits it or not. Um, now the next question we had is, what players do you want the Pacers to uh yeah, not to take? Yeah, what players do you not want the Pacers to take? Yeah. Uh I don't need to elaborate on this. I'll just go quickly. I, we kind of talked about it on one of our episodes recently. I'm just gonna go in order. This isn't my one, two, three order. Number one, Jed Howard. Number two, Nick Smith Jr. And number three, Keontae George. Okay. Right. Uh number one for me, look, it's it's assuming pick seven, Grady Dick. I feel like Grady Dick for yeah. me, it to, to, <laughs> to limit a player just to one real skill set of shooting. 
feels like laying down a bunt with like zero one outs. It's like, all right, let's just get a guy a lot more than that though. I I know. I know there's more than that, but I just feel like let's look at shooters. Some of the best shooters out there, a Duncan Robinson undrafted, you know, like like a Joe Harris or, or a Seth Curry. Those are guys that are all like undrafted guys that you could find. You could find good shooting elsewhere to take a really good shooter at pick seven. You better have something else to his game. And I, I think that, at the University of Kansas, I think that Grady Dick was set up perfectly to not be someone that they needed to really focus on as much. And I think that was a perfect situation for him. At pick seven, I can't do it. And I'm really starting to sour on Cam Whitmore. Uh, oh, wow. Point, okay. Yeah. No, look, if we get Cam Whitmore, I'm fine with it. But, like, at this point, it went from, like, I felt like he was a lock at five to the point where, hey, look, if he's there at seven. Like, I definitely want him. We're hearing things that Cam Whitmore could slide to nine or ten. And that's just not what you want to hear at this point. And I just feel like, I, I don't know. We already have Mather in there. I want to keep developing that. And then Dante George, look, from later on, he mentioned that's someone that I've just, for some reason, I, I just don't like him. I feel like he was the, <laughs> the exact player that was so inefficient that already had his mind made up of I'm going pro no matter what. No, I, And it's just like shooting sub 40%. And still being considered like a lottery type player, I, I think it's just it's kind of crazy because it's not going to get better on the NBA level. I think he's a good, should be a good shooter, but it didn't translate in college, and I'm I'm just not that interested. Yeah, I like Keontae George as a prospect, just not for the Pacers. So that's kind of where I'm coming at from this one. Uh, I I just do not like Jed Howard's game whatsoever. I'm like the biggest Jed Howard hater. So if he ends up being great, like you guys can put that egg on my face, and I'll gladly accept it. But yeah, I, I just want to say this about Grady Dick. I didn't put him on my list because I actually wouldn't be a. I would actually be really excited if the Pacers traded back up and got Grady Dick at like 10, 11, 12 range. That's fine. I think Grady Dick's a very good player, and I've been very interested in him all season long. Uh, I think part of your West Virginia bias, by the way, bye bye yeah, coach. Probably. Uh, Bye bye, Coach Huggins. I mean, my God, that guy can't keep himself out of trouble. But uh, uh, you guys got an opening there, and I think it's a very good opening. So I'm excited for your future to see what happens there because Huggy was on the way out anyway. He's a little bit older, but uh, yeah, yeah, Grady Dick. I think he's a really good player, Fachi, and I think that by labeling him as a, just a shooter, you know, he does a lot more than that. He's a great offensive player, good, good feel for the game, high basketball IQ, moves well without the ball in his hands. Like he's probably an upgrade potentially, and. Other things that Buddy Hill does, <laughs> probably an upgrade for Buddy Hill in like five years. Uh, Buddy Hill was drafted, I yeah. think, at seven at one point by the Pelicans, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like yeah. that was a shooter that was drafted early. I just think that Grady Dick is a good off-ball mover, good secondary playmaker. I think he can pass the ball pretty well, good good cutter. Uh, I think that there's just more to his game than people give him credit for. I think he's a better team defender than he's given credit for as well. On-ball defender, yeah, he's going to have to work a lot, but what rookie isn't? So, um that's the thing. Like at seven, yeah, it's a little too early for me. But at, if you yeah. trade it back to nine, wouldn't hate 11. it. 11, I'm in. 10, okay. Nine, I, I think there are still some it, higher upside. Would you take Anthony Black over him at yeah, nine? Yeah, like, okay. like yeah. Give, give me a, a arguably six, seven guard who could defend really well. And then we already got, like, you know, there's Tyrese Halbert who's a good shooter. You know, uh, Nemar could be a good shooter. I don't know, buddy, he probably won't be there. But, like, I think you. You could find Turner. You could find shooters elsewhere, but a guy like Anthony Black, I think, would be something different that okay. you could bring to the table. All right, last two categories here, Fachi. Biggest needs you want addressed in this draft? Biggest needs? I'm just gonna throw them out there. Just just traits, wings, defense, athleticism, and if I can get a little bonus, clean up the rotation in this draft, please. 
Uh, yeah, I wrote wings for number one, fours for number two, yeah. help on the defensive side of things for number three, and overall talent, take a swing on somebody. Yeah, I could live with that, though. Yeah. It's it's for so long we did the, like, whoa, we have Goga as the top prospect on our board, right? It's like, top pro- like, what? Like, no, like, go for someone that maybe could develop later on or, or any, anything like that. And I just feel like at this point, we know – that people aren't signing in free agency. The draft is real draft and trades where the Pacers have been able to assemble their rosters. And you might not have a better chance to be able to get a high upside player than right now, because it just feels like the draft more than it feels like this year, more than ever. There's so many young players that have not reached their potential compared to previous years that you're going to find good talent late in this draft. The Pacers have the assets to be able to move up and get a player at, say, a pick 20 or so that could far exceed their draft position. All right. Bold takes for the draft. How many do you got? Uh, I got I got like I got like one and a half. All right. Give, one. give me your one bold take, Bocci. The Pacers end up trading next year's first, and they find a way to acquire a pick in the 9 to 11 range. Okay, I like that. Um, so I went non-Pacers related for my okay. bull takes. I'll tell. I just say them real quick. Um, I said Brandon Podjemski will be the Christian Brown of this class. Uh, the Denver okay. Nuggets Christian Brown. I said Gigi yeah, yeah, Jackson yeah. goes into the top twenty. Okay, I, I could see somebody just. I just. I feel like there's been so much negativity for on him for a reason. Someone's going to trade him and take him. Yeah. Uh, probably red flags, but I think someone's going to do it. Um, and then lastly. Uh, I'm going to end it with my draft crush that I've been talking about a lot this draft. Olivier Maxson's Prosper will be the steal of the draft. That's my bold take. You are all in. It feels <laughs> like you're Moses Moody of, the, of this year. And look, hey, there's always got to be one. So I, I respect it. Stick it to your guns. And my like half uh, a bold take was that the Pacers trade up and take Leonard Miller. And I'll tell you why. I had heard rumblings, maybe they're false, that Leonard Miller canceled some draft workouts after he met with the Pacers. Mm, yeah, uh, I saw that. And and, and I, I do think that maybe, I want to say when we had Tony on, he was talking about how I think they might have been working with him a little bit, you know, shooting. Um, So I do think that that could have been a, hey, you know what, we're going to try and get you. And look, we know the Pacers have been very active in trying to trade up. A guy like Leonard Miller, we can't really predict where he's going to go in the draft, but I think the Pacers are going to try and get him. Love it, Fachi. That is it for our draft preview we covered it all for you ladies and gentlemen so this is the last you'll hear from me and Fachi together before the draft uh tomorrow we're having on a good friend from draft dummies sam ferris so sam's going to be coming on from draft dummies to talk about this draft and we will be discussing all that tomorrow but Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us out on social media absolutely so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. Now, Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast where you can check out all of our video content. It's going to be an awesome time because we're going to be posting some more videos as the draft happens. Get you some, uh, get you some live reactions to what me and Fachi are doing on draft night. But with that being said, If you're glad the draft is almost here and the Pacers could walk away with a future starting player, then hit me with those three words.
Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.